0: hello welcome to book shambles books of the year that year is 2021 just in case you found this in some kind of form in a dystopian future like 2024 or 2025 anyway this was me and various other people talking about some of our favourite books that we read in 2021. It's very, very important. This is the rule. The rule was the book didn't have to be published in 2021, it just had to have been read in 2021, which of course is something that we cannot check with any of our guests, whether that's Steve Backshall, whether it's Helen Chersky, whether it's Chris Hadfield or anyone else you're going to hear from. Anyway, here are our books of the year. Hope you enjoy it. Hello. Welcome to Book Shambles in association with Cosmic Shambles International Books of the Year. Uh, so we're going to go through our favourite books that we have read this year. When I say our favourite books, uh, shortly I'll be joined by Helen Chersky. Uh, we're also going to be hearing from Izzy Sutter. We're going to be hearing from Chris Hadfield, uh, from the poet Luke Wright, from Joanna Neary, from Anil Seth. Uh, I can't remember who I've forgotten. They're Steve Baxter, did I mention Steve Bachel Anyway, all talking about their favourite books. Quite a few people will be joining us live. Some have very kindly uh, recorded things for us in advance i'm going to quickly just tell you a few it doesn't have to be a book that's come out this year make this very very clear it's just books that you've and, and one of the reasons that i'm doing this is uh because of the hundred bookshops that i visited all of which uh were wonderful and delightful i would try and name check you all should any of you uh be, i in fact i went to one of them today i went to the chorley wood bookshop uh walking through uh, woodland down there with my son my son used his book token money on a uh hairy biker's uh cookery book because he's uh, he enjoys cooking and uh, as I was saying to Helen before that's something that pleases me I think it is good uh, when uh, when teenage boys go yeah 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 I want to make some of these crazy cookery things um, and uh, also he got Matt Haig's book about a little mouse that lives with elves I think it's called The Little Mouse That Lives With Elves it's not but it could be something like that it's from Canongate. you can look it up um, anyway the smallest book that I bought on my book tour by the way um, was this one I don't know if you see that that was the smallest book that is uh, that was from the Hayes Cinema Bookshop uh, which is a dictionary of mythology because i like the idea that i would just have that that fits very easily in my duffel coat pocket and uh, i can just look up anything there and just so here we are the derona a goddess of the celts usually associated by roman historians with mercury just little things also i think if you're sitting on a train and it can be very difficult to find sometimes space on a train, as I found when I was doing all the bookshop tours, I think people would find it weird. A man who looks like me anyway, reading a very little book, they think, oh, God, I don't want to sit next to him. He's an old man with a beard. They wouldn't know that out of a mask on, but, you know, they might get a hint of a beard reading a very little book. I don't trust old men reading very little books. So it might also work for that as well as my mythology uh, knowledge. This is my first book of the year, by the way, which is literally I started reading today. And um, it's just this was given to me by uh, Lighthouse, uh, the Lighthouse Bookshop in Edinburgh. Uh, as I don't really need to say that they're delightful after any of these bookshops. Just take it as read that all of these bookshops, when read, are delightful. This is Undrowned Black Feminist Lessons from Marine Mammals and it is at Absolutely beautiful. I'm just going to read you some of the little bits from the uh, um, introduction. In this book, I move, mostly without warning, from a clinical tone to a profoundly intimate tone. The words, I love you, appear more than any other phrase in this book. I'm sure those words have never appeared in scientific studies about marine mammals. And this is partly the book itself is inspired by two books about marine mammals. Um, and it's uh, this is a tricky task because I'm vulnerable, not only to the messiness of my emotions, but also to the possibility of just projecting onto a whole set of beings who can't verbally protest my projections. That's uh, talking about the way she can talk about marine mammals. Um, I just, I absolutely love this book. It's, um, I find one of the. Who is this book for? Who is this book for? This is a book for you, also known as Everyone Who Knows That a World Where Queer, Black, Feminine Folks Are Living Their Most Abundant, Expressed, and Loving Lives in a World Where Everyone Is Free. I think that is very very beautiful and uh i've just started it and uh it was i'm so pleased i've been given this it's such a, a, a beautiful book undrowned it's from ak press um its inspiration was was her looking at the, the the nature of these two books about marine mammals and then it goes into a lot of very very interesting places so that is already that that's probably my last book of the year because it's i've only just started it today uh this is a very very beautiful novel this was given to me when I I was at the Warwick Bookshop. Lovely, lovely people at the Warwick Bookshop. Gratitude. A novel, just the way I like novels. Thin, short attention span. I can get through how many is this? Uh, yeah, just over 130 pages. Probably almost a novella. I don't know for sure. But this is just... a. Uh, this is a novel all about someone. Basically, it, it's different voices around someone who is increasingly experiencing uh, the effects of dementia. Someone uh, who was uh, who spent most of their life dealing with language, watching as they lose their language, and those people around her trying to help her with the language. Just absolutely beautiful. So uh, gratitude is uh one of my books here probably one of my novels of the year two books that i'm just reading again by the way bloody chamber by angela carter my god she knew how to write but you knew that anyway and uh, ursula k Le Guin's uh, the lathe of heaven is the, the last novel that uh this year i've reckoned that i'm going to finish uh and i'm so glad that i've gone back to reading ursula k Le Guin. fantastic so anyway that's roughly what we're going to do we're going to deal with the books of the year uh this is by the way my favorite agatha christie pan cover that i found i don't know how well you can see this, this is evil under the sun what a beautiful beautiful my god how i love the pan books i haven't got all the books i would normally have with me because uh, i'm currently house sitting for other people but we're going to go th- oh this is uh, right on a very very different note right this rob halford from judas priest uh, which reminds me because this is so f- so near to the anniversary of lemmy's death if you've never watched uh the funeral of lemmy where people like rob halford are there and dave Grohl does the most beautiful eulogy please watch it whether you like kind of rock or metal or any of those things or rock and roll it doesn't matter it's a really beautiful thing to watch but Rob Halford's autobiography Confess um as many of you know he's probably I suppose certainly in terms of the 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 magnitude of 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 Judas Priest you know that he was to to come out in that genre was something that he was you know to to come out as, as a gay man uh was a major thing to do even though so much of the kind of garb he wore already seemed to suggest that anyway um and it's just a very very beautiful book about him and his life and uh starts off with beautiful descriptions of the black country and the kind of sheets hanging and getting increasingly dark as they dry on the line, the black country. And so it starts off with very, very evocative view of him growing up in the Midlands. And then at about page seven, as early as that, he's down the youth club and somewhere in a drawer or cupboard, he finds some pornography, some images of uh, of naked men, right? So that's kind of the just the beginning of him going into sexuality. And then this youth club, it sounds like it was a very interesting youth club. And another visit to the youth club, uh, he f- opens a drawer and and basically finds um, a dildo inside that drawer. And that then leads to further adventures. So it starts off with an evocative image of the Midlands in the late 50s and into the early 60s. um, And then eventually, well, not even eventually, quite soon surprising things are found in drawers so there we go that is I really enjoyed reading Rob Halford's uh autobiography confess now uh who is the first person we're going to see recommending books by the way if you'd like to recommend books please do go uh into our feed recommend books I will try and make sure as many of the books that uh you mention uh, will say out loud that they recommend because uh I just I mean I've got about 70 books around me now and uh it's and that doesn't cover enough I'm also by the way going to reveal the most Most expensive book that i bought from an oxfam are you from that oxfam i know one of the oxfams is probably watching this i know i think they are watching it um and and you think it's going to be you and it might be you but i'm not going to tell you now extra oxfam bookshop but that was an expensive book but i'll reveal more of that later on this by the way was my most expensive book that I bought from Jeff Towns. Jeff Towns, who some of you know, uh, absolutely brilliant uh, bookseller, uh, expert on on Dylan Thomas as well and beat literature. And uh, I went to... Basically, the the, the the ground floor flat where he stores all of his books, which was just a terrifying and beautiful thing. And the most expensive book I bought from Jeff was uh, a first edition of Harold Pinter's *The Birthday Party*, uh, which is just a, a beautiful, uh, which is a, a of such a. And also, by the way, my bookmarks at the moment are from a load of postcards that I bought from. Uh, this was from a hospice shop in Stratford upon Avon, and that is Carrie Grant, a very early promo shot. I bought a huge. So uh, I just love *The Birthday Party*. It's a very funny. Uh, play at times as well as dark and strange and many other things. but it's just this beautiful moment at the beginning where uh, a man returns home and his wife says uh, i've got your cornflakes ready here's your cornflakes how are they are they nice i love the idea of cornflakes being spoken about like it's some kind of gourmet recipe anyway that was the most expensive book from jeff go and find out more about jeff towns Uh, his book bus is a wonderful thing as well and in fact one of the first events i did on the 100 bookshop tour uh, was me buying more books uh, from jeff at the Lawn weekend festival and the best book i got i think from him was ufos and common sense it's an excellent 1950s common sense book about ufos the kind of thing helen chersky i think would would really because she loves science so she loves common sense takes on uh on alien visitations um but the reason i particularly love that book and why dallas campbell who is also some a ufologist something of a ufologist is a little bit annoyed by is i have the first edition where common sense is all one word after that it was reprinted and it became two words so very very exciting dreams about hm the queen you'll find more about that later on anyway the first person we're going to hear from someone who was magnificent at the albert hall and by the way any of you who did come to the albert hall everyone was magnificent the albert hall um helen who you're about to meet did such a, a brilliant 10 minutes about the moon and the oceans it was it was a really celebratory night um and then we had to cancel everything after that which reminds me by the way do support us for our patreon if you can anyway here is someone who as i said before was magnificent it is steve backshall and here are steve backshall's books of the year
1: hello mate so uh, you've asked me to review my book of the year uh, i was very tempted to go with the importance of being interested but kind of figured that you would think that i was basically kissing butt uh, so instead i'm going to talk you through some of the books that i've been reading this year now as you know most of my bookcases are essentially filled up with animal books, because, you know, that's sort of what I do. Uh, Notice I also got the BAFTA in there, just a little massive name drop. (laughs) But also, as a dad, I have a tremendous amount of kiddie reading to do as well. And this year, we've had some corkers. So this one, uh, Birds by Miranda Kostovnikov, is a fantastic read. The little ones will just react to the pictures, which are absolutely beautiful, but the words have got a surprising amount of really intriguing content in them as well. So that's been a, a, a real high point. Uh, also, this one here, We Have a Dream by uh, Maya bird girl, uh, Rose Craig, is an absolutely essential read for youngsters. Just ignore the fact that she is a doctor, she has a PhD, And she's like 14 or 15, which, you know, to be frank, just shouldn't be allowed. Um, Some other books that I've been reading that have been really good for the youngsters I would include the Extinct series by Ben Garrett. So he's written a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch more coming as well. This one is Trilobites. We have, uh, I'm not even going to try and say that one, Uh, Dunkleostas. Tyrannosaurus rex, Hallucigenia, I think he's got thylacine coming out pretty soon as well. These are really cool because they talk about extinction as something which is natural, as something which happens as the course of life and, and with so many different factors affecting it. And it, it, it puts it forward as a situation which can be dealt with pragmatically. And I think that's really important, particularly when you're introducing big subjects to young people. And, you know, I'll be frank, even though this is definitely a a family age range kind of book, there was plenty in there that I myself learned from and really enjoyed. But my book of the year is going to be this. It is The Secret Life of Fish by Doug Mackay Hope. Um, I have to put in a a bit of a, a sort of interest here, which is that Doug was one of the guys who helped me develop deadly 60 right at the very beginning so we go back a long way Doug and I and he is an incredibly talented individual this runs through um, many of the different groups of fish and it has a a scientific layout but really to be frank what he's done is he's picked the most beautiful and the most interesting of the 20,000 or different species of fish and just talked about what makes them special And so it is absolutely fascinating. You could flick to any single page of this and find something that you don't know about, for example, the uh, brown-banded bamboo shark or the common thresher shark, and there will be something in there that's going to blow your mind. It's a book you could read from cover to cover. It is that interesting, but at the same time for someone like me, being able to flick straight to the weedy sea dragon and find out, A few things about sea dragons which he describes as being the hummingbirds of the sea um and it will have you completely intoxicated it's a beautiful book it'll be a fabulous present for anyone for christmas and i would uh, advise anyone to get stuck in so that's it that's my book of the year um i'm very sorry that i didn't choose yours robin but uh you know it was a close call anyway all the very best for me stevie b
0: now we are joined by helen chersky hello helen hello right you've been you had to this year the excitement of being a judge on a on a book prize what was that
2: Yeah, so I was the six judges for the Bailey Gifford Prize for nonfiction, which is the UK's kind of big nonfiction prize. So and I read a lot normally and I had to read more (laughs) this year. Um, And it was a really it was a really educational process because I do I do read widely, but probably like you, I get sent books and there are people I know who write books. And so my write my reading tends to be, you know, I have a lot of that to get through before I get to anything else. And I loved this because it was just like all the books and there were a lot of them. Um, And yeah it was it was such a pleasure as well coming out of lockdown just sitting in a room an actual room with people talking about books for four hours and that first meeting i was so happy so yeah it was it was a very interesting process and it was also interesting being in a room with people who think about books all the time not in the way you and i do perhaps but as a as a a sort of formal literary thing Uh, and they are superb writers and editors and everything else um but they they had such good memories for like chapters in books. And I think you've got that and that me, not so much, but they remember like, Oh, wasn't there something similar in chapter three of this other book published 10 years ago? How can you possibly remember that? Um, so uh, so I got an insight into their mind as well which was good for me and and good for me because th- I don't analyze writing whereas they analyze writing all the time and that that was very good for me but it, I loved doing it I please ask me to judge book prizes I loved it
0: oh I just <laughs> opened a portal to hell I think you've made a <laughs> terrible mistake possibly, me by saying that the, uh, now before you mention some of the the ones that were nominated, indeed, the one that won. You said there were two that you would love to have seen on the list that weren't on the list. Well, there were
2: two that were honestly never going to be really on the list because the was, you know, the standard was so high. But I really did love both these books. Uh, one of them was Spare Parts by Paul Craddock, which is a history of transplants, which sounds a bit gory, but it's it's written with. Um, um, It's like a real knowledge of the social history, not just, you know, this organ came from there and went in there and it went wrong because it did go wrong a lot. But it was just fun book. So Spare Parts, I highly recommend that. And the other one was Scoff, which is about the history of um, class and food in Britain. And again, it's just a fun book. It's the kind of but you give you could dip in and out of because it's like, oh, afternoon tea and all the, you know, I had never thought about because I grew up in the north. Right. Where tea was uh, when I was growing up, that was sort of something that happened around four or five-ish it wasn't afternoon tea but it wasn't dinner like your tea was what we would call dinner now but it was kind of a bit earlier you know and I'd never really thought about how these words meand like tea as a thing you have during there's meandered around so I love those two books just because they were fun and interesting and there were loads of ideas in them I hadn't heard and uh the spare parts what spare parts one is a little bit gory but it is so well worth it so yes th- those were great and then I kind of um and then I kind of have to talk about the shortlist because those were the good books. So here I've stacked stacked them all up. Here they are. Um, so it's the one at the bottom, that one. But the book I want to tell you about, I can't. I'm not going to hold all those up. Is this one? So um, I'm my excitement. I'm knocking things all over the place. Now this is a book of essays, and books of essays very rarely uh, sort of fit into. You know, they're sort of gone out of fashion a bit. Of feel. You know, we want novels. We want big stories. Mm. All of that stuff. This guy's a poet. Uh, he currently lives in America, and he's writing about the whole. He's so it's a series of essays that go through different things, it, and he's a absolutely stunning writer. Um, but he's writing about, about the things you don't talk about. You know, sort of slightly awkward things happen in life, and you meet people, and there's things that you just don't talk about. So it's called things I have withheld, and it, and particularly in the context of race, that's mostly the context of what he's writing about. But it's such a beautiful book, and I high, you know, anyone who is just up for beautiful writing for its own sake, as well as for the ideas, I highly recommend this. Um So yeah, that's. I really want to of t- talk about this one because I feel it's not the one most people would pick up because we d- we don't pick up books of essays. But this has sort of re made me think again about books of essays.
0: Um, that, that's made me think of two things there. One, which is, is in my top books of the year, books of the year, uh, but I haven't got a copy with me at the moment, is Eddie Glaude Jr.'s Begin Again, just thinking on the race issues, which is uh, an incredible book, uh, so beautifully written. It's a beautifully written book where his inspiration is a writer who writes so beautifully that you must almost be, you know, just in constant fear because it's James Baldwin. It's basically about how he used the work of James Baldwin to inspire him after Trump's victory. Um, and by the way anyone if you have movie by the way that that, that uh, movie streaming thing watch the James Baldwin documentary about him in Paris it's really interesting and the other thing I was when you were mentioning essays I've really enjoyed Jeanette Winston's book 12 Bites about kind of artificial intelligence and uh, different you know lots of different thoughts about also you know things like Ada Lovelace and attitudes of women in science and uh, the ideas of consciousness and what makes so many different things there Jeanette Winston is just one of those writers who just go what a I mean just an incredible mind her, her brilliance as, as as a novelist her brilliant memoir as well some of her work like gut symmetry you know you know those things where you think oh her you know when you see someone's incredible level of understanding of a very deep idea which is only expressed in a single line of a novel and you think wow the number of books that single line is built on but i yeah that that in
3: terms of I've the heard essays, a lot about
2: I've n- I, I've heard so much about that. I haven't read it yet, but um, yes, that sounds very good. Um, about some of the others, so I said, did I mean? The, the I tell you the other thing, the other good thing about judging that I hadn't really anticipated is that if you read books in completely different genres, like just pick some number, there will be overlaps because they're all talking about the same world. And in you know, so in just as a pair in here, so three. Uh, so one of these is about Robert Maxwell uh which is fall and you would think all every how could you possibly write anything about him because he's just been written about to death it's 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 a really good story and then aftermath is about germany after the second world war and robert maxwell uh got medals for fighting in the second world war and that the, the where he came, his sort of origin story is woven in. And so there are overlaps in these two books that you would not expect. And I really enjoyed the idea that you've got this sort of quite a sort of a romp type of a biography, a sort of gallop through isn't this crazy story. And then this really serious examination of like, what do you do with a society when there are no rules, like there is no country, like half of the population don't have houses money doesn't make any sense what do you do and yet the and the idea that those two books have very specific overlaps that that was just a huge amount of fun um and the other the maxwell
0: book i must say will because of you know what the the, yes. the court today which is so something really fat, I don't know if you've it's not something I've I've delved into too far there's a few websites news websites that I've looked at that have basically written the kind of misery memoir of Jelaine Maxwell about you know oh which had a very difficult child and it's a really odd thing to me and I don't know if you feel this which is almost to write pieces where the first five paragraphs begin to suggest not exactly an alibi but a series of excuses. And for that to be immediately be, and I wonder how true that would be of someone who did not come from a position of power or have been a socialite or be someone who has been around the kind of the journalistic table as well, I would imagine.
2: Yeah. And I think, so I think, because I think it's, people struggle, there's a line between, there's, there's a genuine backstory in that, like, People, people are screwed up in all kinds of ways. How did this person get screwed up in that way? That's a valid question. But like you say, so often it comes across as an excuse. Oh, well, this happened to them. Oh, well, this happened to them. And I'm sure elements of both are true. You know, if someone had an abusive childhood was abused, you know, that, that's not their fault. And it may well have implications in later life, but it is. I think it's one of those things where humans find it very difficult to hold more than one idea in their head at the same time. And Mm. you're right. They do sound a lot of the I mean, if you read and she is mentioned in fall in sort of peripherally. But if you read about this crazy life she grew up in, you're like, well, frankly, if you came out of that and you're a sane human being, (laughs) You know, that's a whole that would that would be worthy of note by itself, because everything that comes from this situation is that's all gone rotten in its various ways. There's no way you can escape that. And we are sort of fascinated by why did that happen to them and not to someone else? And so often that sounds like an excuse. When it yeah, that's
0: that's what I, I I felt the way it was written. A couple of pieces, I th- I thought I just thought quite you haven't got the balance of this this right at this immediate stage. This kind of uh, it's. I mean, I was thinking that did did um, Hallie Rubenhold's uh, The Five win the Bailey Gifford?
2: Yes, the couple of years before, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's because right.
0: that I think is uh, such an interesting book because it's just a book about that the victims of Jack the Ripper, but when I say just a book, I mean, they don't, it's not about Jack the Ripper. It's about yeah. the women's life. And, and to me, that was uh, such a, you, you suddenly go, oh, these are the stories that need to be told because there are so many books about serial killers, uh, about written from the perspective of the serial killer, from the abuser, all of that kind of about their life. And, uh, and I thought Hallie Rubinhold, it felt like it was, you know, a, a real change, that a, a sea change that is required in some of the ways these things are written.
2: Yeah, but it's also, I mean, it's interesting because it's also, uh, it requires, I mean, we have this classic story of a hero, right? There's always a, that's the way, you know, we're fed it through films and through lots of books. And there is this like, where's your hero? Where's your number one superstar who the world revolves around? And the idea for a human that there are lots of stories and, and that everyone is kind of, the center of a different story and those stories all have equal validity basically that we're not very good with that everyone's like who's the big star Mm -hmm. and i think we do need to switch off that um that desperate and you know this is what sort of twitter and celebrity culture they do is that there's they create lists basically hierarchies who's the most important person we will only talk about them and the idea so you know i know i talk about um hawaii a lot but they have this thing where they sort of talk story They, they that's the phrase they use but they say they'll each tell their own story. Like you have to ask the others about their story. Like they don't prioritize their stories. They're like, oh, well this, I can tell you my story, mm. but you'll have to look elsewhere to find the other stories. Like they make, it kind of make you do the work, which is a much more human, you know, it kind of levels everything. So yeah, it is, it is frustrating, I think. But yeah, there are lots of good books now. And I don't think-, think how these books really, you know, like you say, it, it's, why not do that? You know, it's like um, uh, Natalie Haynes writing about the women of mm-hmm. of uh, Troy. Like, why not? Why have we not heard about uh, the wife of Menelaus? You know, Penelope. Was it Penelope? I'm not very good at the classics. Anyway,
0: <laughs> we'll get Natalie on. Don't worry. I'm going to get this book for you, by the way. Undrowned. Because oh, I, th- that, I, I think you'd that, be yeah. really. I, I, I just it. It was. It's such a. Yeah, because you. First of all, you just go you're immediately drawn in how enigmatic black feminist lessons from marine mammals undrowned. And you just think that's, that's, what it and then just, I started reading it. It's just beautiful. What's your, you don't, when I say book of the year, it doesn't have to be, it's not going to be that someone's going to come around your house and then tell you off because actually there was another book that was at this current time asking you, what is the book do you think that's perhaps had the greatest, you know, made the greatest impression on you uh, or, or perhaps changed you the most. And I don't know it's a hard thing to say, within the space of one year but sometimes there are certain books aren't they which just go these things have changed
2: i i showed the thought about that question before <laughs> before coming on because i would have had to stare at my bookshelves for a long time um but i think it i mean in a way i think it really is the winner of the Bailey gifford prize because like that's why it won because you read it and it's there is such evil in the world. You know, that is what, basically what's good about Empire of Pain, which one, which is about um, the uh, Sackler family and the, the, you know, the drugs, how they made their money from selling prescription opioids. What's good about it is it, it totally takes them to the cleaners, but it, it's restrained. Like you can feel the anger, you can feel the injustice, but all it does is lay the facts in front of you. And I think it's really like, what's good about it is it's really, kind of uplifting because we get so much raw anger in society right we get so much oh this person did this this sort of easy anger and what what I found so reassuring about I mean it's a horrible story it's one that very much needs to be told but the thing what I'm starting to care about more than anything else is the way that stories are told I'm so sick of tribal arguments I'm so sick of Twitter and aggression and like this bed you know this tribal me you me you me and the thing that mattered to me about empire of pain was that this is how we need to have discussions we need thorough research honest you know but things presented the the right things presented with honesty but without judgment because that's far more powerful when when you do then make your own judgment it's a far more powerful thing than just being told to be angry and that's why it mattered to me it's not just about the story itself it's that I'm so reassured that this is in the world because we need more of it.
0: It's for, sorry, I was vaguely distracted. I hear a background noise. This happened before. I'm not at my house, and uh, there's a dog having a noisy dream in the background. So, as you said that, I thought I have no idea how people are interpreting your very serious point there. While the dog is currently chasing a rabbit in its mind. I know we don't know fully what dogs are dreaming, but nevertheless, thank you so much for joining us, Helen. And uh, and again, thank you for it was so so great having you at the Albert Hall. That that really was magnificent. I didn't read as many novels as I might have hoped to read in 2021 because I was researching a lot of other stuff, but one of my favourite novels of that year was Jane is Trying by Izzy Sooty, and here's Izzy Sooty talking about some of her favourite novels.
4: Well, hello, Um, I've read lots of books this year. And these are my favourite four. It's very hard to choose. Um, The first one is The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean. hadn't read anything else by Will Dean, um, but I know he writes like a series of uh, detective books um, that I'm yet to read. One of them is behind me, actually. Um, The Last Thing to Burn I read in about probably 26 hours. Um, I just literally couldn't put it down. Um, It's about a woman who's being kept captive um, in... A, a desolate farmhouse by a man who calls her Jane, but that's not her name. It is so intense. you you feel like you're in the cottage. and I think part of the reason I loved it is because lockdown was a bit grim so it made me feel better that there was someone in a worse situation than me um, I hate to admit. Um, but it was it's incredible. It's incredible writing. It's just so taut. there is no filler at all. Um, and uh, it was it was brilliant. Um, uh, the second one is Swing Time by Zadie Smith um, I'm very embarrassed to admit that I hadn't read anything else by Zadie Smith and now I will because I absolutely loved it um, it's um, very different from Last Thing to Burn it's about an unnamed character who's the protagonist who it's about kind of her life growing up and her love of dance and um, it's so funny and so sad and so human Um and She's mixed race, um, and it's set in lots of different places and she works for someone who's trying to do a lot of good, um, that kind of perhaps messes things up a little bit. It's, it's really funny. Um, it's great. Very different from Last Thing to Burn. Um, but it also made me want to do ballet again. So I won't do that, but you know, for, for the time that I was reading it, it took me back to those dusty halls of doing dance classes with all the other kids, um, the third one, there are two more, is um, A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness, um, and that is a young adult book, and I was like, it's a young adult book, I'm not going to be affected by this, and uh, I was crying um, almost immediately, I'd say sobbing, actually, um, it's about a young boy called Connor, whose mother is dying, and um, it, it, there's a, a tree in it that comes to life, Um And the tree teaches him some lessons that's the best way of explaining it but it's not like a tree comes to life and says everything's going to be okay the tree's a tricky tree um and it's so sad and it's brilliant um you feel like you've been transported to a different place which is what i love about reading um and the last one is um, o william by elizabeth strout um i love the title to this because it's got an exclamation mark in it which you actually don't see very much um o comma william exclamation mark um it's by elizabeth strout and it's in the Lucy Barton series but I wouldn't say that you have to have read My Name is Lucy Barton to um to get it um it's one of the probably one of the best books I've ever read it's so human um and it's about Lucy's the central character's relationship with her ex-husband and which is very complicated um and it's tender it's funny it's it's heartbreaking. So they're my four recommendations. Happy Christmas. Goodbye.
0: Yeah, that was Izzy Sooty. And I should mention again in terms of novels that I love. And I didn't read as many novels this year. But Jane is Trying by Izzy. And I don't just say this because I know Izzy. And I've always enjoyed her work. But it's a fantastic novel she builds such a full world instantaneously you are immediately drawn to her character jane i really recommend jane is trying i also quickly mention john ottaway uh very kindly gave me a bunch of comic books by this person here john tucker uh they're really kind of interesting i'm going to recommend another comic book shortly um, I uh, just going to recommend there's so many books Dara McNulty who is yeah he's done another book already he's still not left school he still hasn't finished his A-levels um, we, we were talking before uh, as you know about um, book judging and I was on a panel um, judging uh, non-fiction books and uh, and it was Dara McNulty's Diary of a Young Naturalist that won which so does and this is just a really beautiful I'm not going to say it's a children's book it's a, just a beautiful illustrated book <coughs> the nature of uh, wildlife and the countryside and engaging with it and, uh, and Dara is uh, to me just a very very inspirational figure um, I'm also going to mention another novel this is uh, Your Friend Forever we recently talked to Zena Barry this is one of those books where you know you're really just fighting all the time to tell people it's out there that it's brilliant that it's an incredibly funny moving novel that it is uh, very very real in the way that it deals with the emotions of what it so it starts off basically it is a teenager and she's so in love with a band and it's her beautiful beautiful kind of sometimes crazy filled with 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 love and admiration and obsession for the band and then it's about her in middle age when life is now it's not ended up being quite as you might help you know when you're a teenager you have those moments where you lie in bed maybe you've got a friend staying over and you talk about where you're gonna be when you grow up and what's gonna happen and then reality happens and uh but it's so brilliantly written your friend forever by Zena barry it's from unbound and uh not enough people know it's out there not enough people know how brilliant it is so that is one of my recommendations for. But, and also, by the way, back on the James Baldwin thing. When I was down at Toppings in uh, Bath, I had that awful moment where I thought maybe today I'll manage to get out of the bookshop without buying a new book. And I hadn't noticed there's this James Baldwin uh, biography, and it's uh, it's not f- not from the last year. It's actually from a couple of years. But as I mentioned, Eddie Glord's book as well. Uh, but yes, so there's another recommendation for you. I've got so many recommendations, but now I'm going to speak to someone who another of my books of the year. Uh, consciousness is such an in interesting area to write about because so often it is written about in such a dull way, sometimes in such a kind of way where you think, well this is all very well for the kind of philosophy that you would see Donald Sutherland maybe talking about in National Lampoon's Animal House or something like that, uh, but actually getting that balance between something which is really rooted in, uh, in, in research and where we're beginning to move to and at the same time also a riveting story of why uh, minds appear to be as they are so far uh, is a very very tricky thing and being you by Seth, i is the best book i've i've read on consciousness uh for uh for a long time it's it's definitely now my top three books about consciousness and uh i've wasted a lot of time reading about consciousness so one of our books of the year and here is the book Seth. hello robin thanks for inviting me along well, it's now I, I, we're not going to talk about your book because I've said all the thing we don't need to say anymore. But it really is. It's very, very approachable. And it's uh, and it also I would highly recommend if you're kind of debating whether to, to buy a book, watch his TED Talk, because watch his TED Talk, because that will kind of show you roughly some of the places that you're going to go. So what have you been reading this year? Because you finished. Had you finished the book by the beginning of this year? Or were you still going through?
5: I read fewer books this year than normal because I was still deep in the editing process uh, at the beginning of the year and kind of signed off on a manuscript around April and then it came out in, in September. So I'm a, bit, I'm a bit lower, but I have still been, been reading stuff. And um, I think the book that I, one of the first books I read this year that really stuck with me, by the way, I did not read the instructions. So my books are all books that I think are from this year. Oh, it's, they can be any, but, but, there's no hard and fast rules. So, well, that's good. That is a read. So the first book was something I read early in the year, and it is by another science writer who has been a big inspiration to me uh, while I've been trying to, because my book, Being You, is the first time I've tried to write a, a trade book, a book for the general public, and it's, it's a really hard thing to do. And one of the inspirations that I just think, this is an amazing example. If I could be like this, that would be great, is Carlo Rovelli. <clears throat> Carlo Ravelli is a physicist and a beautiful writer. So when you read him, for me, it's not like writing, reading a book about science. It's just like reading a great piece of writing that happens to be about science and philosophy. And he also happens to be one of the the preeminent theoretical physicists of of our time and a super nice guy too. And his new book is called Helgoland or or Heligoland. It seems to be different in different different languages. Mm. And I don't have a copy because it's the thing I actually listened to. I didn't read it. So it's the one thing that I only listened to on Audible. And um, it's a story. It's both a story about some key characters in the quantum revolution of the early 20th century and a meditation on quantum mechanics and the nature of reality and a vehicle for some of Carlo's own, I think, provocative and compelling ideas. So Helgeland is this island off the coast of Norway in the North Sea. And the story begins with with Werner Heisenberg, who is one of the architects of modern quantum mechanics, going to this island uh, for a few weeks because he was trying to get rid of his hay fever and they you know, didn't have antihistamine tablets You'd, you can know, pop down and get some boots. So he went to this windswept island where there was basically no vegetation, just rocks and water. And while he was there, had this insight about how the basic mathematics of quantum mechanics should work. And, and Carlo Rivelli does a brilliant job of giving us a feel for that without going into the weeds too much to lose, lose people. And then he explores the evolving story of, of, of how, I think he gets at how weird quantum mechanics is in a very clever way, which is turning into a story about the characters, about Heisenberg, about Niels Bohr, this sort of grandee of, of physics who, was, who had this, this incredible aptitude for diplomacy among all the key players in quantum physics. And uh, Erwin Schrödinger, another of the sort of young scientists of the day who was trying to solve other parts of the mysteries of the the quantum world. it's just a beautiful exposition of something that I think it's still true when we say that if you think you've understood quantum mechanics, then you have not understood quantum mechanics, it's it's so mysterious. I mean, people often actually uh, think about consciousness and quantum physics, they often associate the two because they both seem quite difficult to fit into our picture of the universe as this sort of physical thing. but I actually think that's like that's putting just two mysteries together and saying consciousness is mysterious and quantum Mm. mechanics is mysterious. They must be related. Now Carlo's own theory about quantum mechanics is this idea of relational quantum mechanics, which is the idea that things don't exist in and of themselves. They only exist in relation to other things. And I I kind of love this idea and I'm not a physicist, so I don't know whether it will stand up or whether it's testable, but it's, it's a very, I think beautiful and poetic and I would love it if it were true. And if, And for me also, trying to think about how consciousness emerges from matter, it really enriches our picture of what matter is and therefore what it might be capable of. So that's, that, for me, was the, the first book that, that I thought was just a, a brilliant start. I, I, yeah. I, I think
0: Carlo Rovelli is, and as you said, as someone who is someone who is such a revered and cutting-edge theoretical physicist, to actually be that level of practising physicist and be able to write uh, a, a book, because I think Helgoland Land would be one of my books of the year. Uh, his previous Order of Time, I think, is an <laughs> incredible, uh, and I've read that about three times, of course. I still don't understand it. I mean, that's the thing. I, I banged on about this a lot when. I was touring my book which is go back to books read them more than once science books you don't expect you're going to learn it all in one fell swoop because this person may well have spent 20 30 or 40 years studying this so you're not going to get the whole contents of their mind in reading it in two weeks and I think Carlo Ravelli is someone who writes in such a thrilling and beautiful and poetic manner that it is always a joy to return to as well and this collection of essays as well I forget the title that came out a little bit before that it's a lovely collection oh
5: yeah now, that's a really good point, actually, because I think there are some science books that you read and you think, uh, I've got to read that again because you know that you didn't get it. You know that there were parts that, that, that escaped you or just a billion footnotes or something like that. Um, but with Ravelli, you read it and the beauty of it is you think you, you got it. You know, you, you think that I basically got the flow of it because he's so lyrical. Um, but then it's a little bit like a dream. You know, you, you think you've got it. And then two days later, it's like, what? What, what what exactly was it that I that I got? And so I think it does. I think it does work. I'm, I haven't reread it, but I, I certainly ought
0: to. And well, I, I would definitely put Helgeland. Anyone watching this, if you, there are so many books about quantum mechanics, and I think there are too many books about quantum mechanics in terms of quantum mechanics in terms of popular books, which are and, and I I would put Helgeland right at the top and then maybe uh philip balls uh beyond weird beyond That's weird, weird. Yeah. It, uh, and i would say there's there's lots of books where you basically read the same thing in a slightly different language or different philosophical interpretations of wave particle duality and carlo's book was one where i had that revelation in the bath of suddenly going oh hang on this is almost taking shape in my head i know it isn't but it's the closest it's got to being a tangible, comprehensible shape of, of beginning to understand what this this means.
5: I think the other one I would, I would put up there. I wasn't going to talk about this today, but but the other one that has been actually, I think, a, the harvest of quantum mechanics books, popular books, it's been really good. It's, there's a period where they are all a bit, I think, over the top, but. Um, Carlo Rovelli, in, indeed Philip uh, Ball's book, and then Adam Becker's book, What Is Real. Oh, that's I thought yeah, that was, I thought really, that was good. really excellent too. It's a bit, it's kind of neutral because a lot of them push one particular interpretation of quantum mechanics, whether it's a sort of like everything exists at once, many worlds, and so. But, but Adam Becker's was, was a very neutral but persuasive account of, of how these different uh, views of, of reality might might sit together. Um. But I also wanted to mention not just Quantum Mechanics. The other book that, that really stuck with me this year, and I bang on, on about this to everybody, and it's going to be a fairly obvious choice, I think, is is Clara and the Sun. Yeah, I've still not I, read it. People seem to absolutely, absolutely adore this. I, I absolutely adored it. I've mean, I I've got to I, I absolutely adore Shiguru's writing in general. I have not read The Barry Giant. I haven't tackled that one yet. It's sort of long. Uh, but from Remains of the Day to Never Let Me Go and now to Clara and the Sun. His writing is so limpid. It's, it's, it's so clear. It's, it's one of the, the few writers like him and, and somebody like Cormac McCarthy. They're writers where I will just have to stop and go back and reread a sentence again and again just for the beauty of that particular sentence. It just arrests you. The book as a whole hangs together beautifully as well, but but I think if you, you know, it's just, every sentence is so well designed. It's perfectly poised emotionally, rhythmically, I and mean, there's everything about it as well. I don't also like um, Helen was saying, I have no idea how to formally analyze books at all, uh, but his writing is simply beautiful, powerful, and poetic. And Clara and the Sun, so the, the basic idea of, of it, the basic premise is a bit like Never Let Me Go. I think it's the best kind of science fiction in that it doesn't make many grand leaps. It makes one leap and leaves pretty much everything else about society, more or less as we might consider it now, and then explores the implications. Like This is a bit like ex machina as well. Yeah, it, just, it, does, it just does enough, to the, the film by Alex Garner, just enough to get us thinking. And in, in um, Clara and the Sun, Clara is what they call an artificial friend, so a humanoid robot that plays the role of companion to a young girl who is, who is sick. And I'm not gonna give any spoilers away, but there are developing relationships between this young girl, Josie, uh, Clara, who's the robot, and, and the other people, the other family members involved. It's quite a, quite a small cost. But uniquely, I think the book begins from the perspective of Clara, from the perspective of the, the robot, the artificial friend, And so there's this assumption that indeed this robot is conscious, so we get back to consciousness as well. One of the reasons it stayed with me, but it's an exploration of what um, artificial consciousness might be like if it were possible for it to exist. And it's almost like there's an old philosophical thought experiment, like what is it like to be a bat by by Tom Nagel, dwelling on how much we humans know about the brains of bats and their senses and echolocation. We can never have the experience that a bat has. I can never experience what it's like to be uh, Robin Ince. Um And this, job does, this book does such a fantastic job of conveying what it might be like to be an artificial friend like Clara. Uh, but then the rest of the book unpacks the sort of darker underbelly of what's really going on here, about what happens when society gets to a point where machines start to play these kinds of roles and what, our moral obligations are to them, um, how we treat them. There's lots of, I think, fairly clear allegories here to how we treat other races, other, other peoples, other animals. And it, it just explores this territory through these developing characters of Clara and, and the family. And, the, and as it develops, it just reaches heights of poignancy um, that I, I rarely remember encountering in, in any book. And it really made me think about the kinds of things I think about anyway, like what it is to be a self, what consciousness means, what new technologies are doing to society, whether willfully or, or inadvertently. And Ishiguro just distills all this into crystalline, elegant, delicate, poised prose that, that I want to read this book again, not because I'll learn more, but just, well, I will, I'll learn more about writing, but just because it was a, a delight in what books can do. And it's rightly being regarded, I think, as just another masterpiece from one of our greatest all time writers.
0: Anil, thanks. Anil, thank you so much. And we'll mention again, also, obviously, uh, being you. should I just tell everyone watching, by the way, it was me that made him put the copy of the book up face out. I said, that's the kind of thing they do on Newsnight. Yeah, that's the way it's meant to be. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching. We've got loads more coming up, including, as I mentioned before, uh, Chris Hadfield, uh, Joanna Neary uh uh we've got um uh, a little bit from helen zaltzman as well uh, i'll introduce that shortly a uh, quick mention of some other books by the way i've talked about this one a lot but it's just such a great book john higgs's book uh william blake versus the world again in terms of about consciousness in terms of ideas I'm about imagination uh it is absolutely fantastic and uh, and i would really recommend that um, because there's so much I'm trying to like something which I'd never known about, which is uh hyper and aphantasia, And a look it up, aphantasia It's such an, an, an incredible idea. Uh but yeah, John Higgs is uh William Blake versus the world. And I think it's still online. I did an interview with him uh with uh, for the british library and uh, and that's just too bad but that also includes amongst other things selena godden who was there and selena godden's uh, mrs death mrs death is definitely one of my books of the year a very very beautiful uh, novel dealing with uh, death and also dealing uh, with uh, that, therefore telling you sometimes how to live as well um Around and round it goes, life and blood and love and death and time and space. Around and round we go, spinning on this pretty blue rock in space we call planet Earth. Fish grew legs, birds grew wings, monkeys walked upright and tall. And that's when things got interesting for me. So that is a marvellous book. Uh, And now we're going to hear a little bit from Helen Zaltzman. Here is Helen Zaltzman.
6: Hello, I'm podcaster Helen Zaltzman, and these are my favourite books that I've read in 2021. Uh, Probably my very favourite was uh, this one, The Address Book by Deirdre Mask. I was just browsing in my local bookshop, Bookseller Crowe and Crystal Palace, where I make a lot of serendipitous book discoveries. And um, I saw the subtitle, which is What Street Addresses Reveal About Identity, Race, Wealth and Power. And I thought, ooh... Sounds interesting. And it was very interesting. It's a really fun book to read and really fascinating because wherever you walk around, the stuff in there is applicable. And um, street names and house numbers aren't a default thing. Like, they were a relatively late edition in a lot of places and sometimes very controversial. There were some violent protests about house numbering. Uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, extraordinary way to look at the world around you. So I really recommend that. You'll uh, learn a lot in a fun way. Uh, I also read some really good but pretty sad memoirs, read quite a lot of those this year. And two of my favourites were, firstly, Crying in H-Mart by Michelle Zauner, which um, is about the death of a parent. But it's also really funny and a really beautiful uh, piece of writing. Also some very good food in it. There's a lot of amazing Korean food in it. So I recommend that if uh, you think, oh, well, now I wish I knew how to make my own kimchi after you've read a book. I also really liked um, How to Lose Everything, a memoir by Krista Couture, who's a Canadian musician and performance artist. And again, gorgeous writing, pretty funny. It is about her losing two babies and... um, also a leg to cancer but it's not a misery memoir it's just um it's just i'd I'd never really read a book before that made me so aware of what it might be like to inhabit someone else's body um so that was incredible too i also really like the novel detransition baby by tori peters Uh, it's been a really good reading year very exciting
0: Hello, sorry to disturb the conversation, just to say you are listening to the abridged version of Josie and Robin's book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version then you can support us via Patreon and get all of the other bits of tittle tattle that dropped out of our mouth. hello welcome back uh as i said uh we're, i'm about to read out i've had lots of fantastic recommendations some of which i agree with and some of which i didn't know about so that's always exciting and uh also as i said shortly coming up we've got uh, uh chris hadfield uh we've got johnny mains uh we'll probably be talking about some of the kind of horror stuff that we've been up to uh, very shortly i'm going to speak to joanna neary as well quickly mention again another book i've mentioned a lot Pragya agarwal's uh other we never quite worked it out Josie and me uh motherhood i think it is actually motherhood uh that'll do because m in brackets but just again such a a, a, an inspiring and and a book that just in terms of helping people there's there's a a book that i I rambled on a lot about called others which is a, a collection of different people writing about their otherness and the importance of the fact that what books allow you is empathy and of course we have this perpetual battle to to you know against those people who have no empathy and that bit of trying to get into people's minds. And this is just a little bit from, from Pragya's book. Um, this book is about the relationship women have with their bodies, sometimes fractured, sometimes fractious, but so often not whole or entirely satisfactory. Women's bodies can be seen as a threat. They become a battleground, desired and lusted upon, but also considered a monstrosity, defiled regularly, stigmatised and not their own terrain to navigate. While being placed on a pedestal and worshipped as goddesses, they are also being monitored, patrolled, controlled and abused. The body, the shell we inhabit all our lives, see Alien to us, and we spend so much time in this scrimmage between our own selves, pulling and pushing against our own bodies, molding and shaping them to surrogate selves. She's a really great writer. And just going to mention this because this one, uh, Why Marion and Faithful Matters, this is a whole series of favorite and favorite books. There's also Why Karen Carpenter Matters, Why Solange Matters. This is the only one I've read so far. Uh, I've I found that very, very uh, interesting. And Marian Faithful does matter, of course, as well. The Magic Box by Rob Young, who you might know wrote Electric Eden. Uh, this is about predominantly kind of 1970s and then beyond television. Quite often quite uncanny television, sometimes the work of Nigel Neal, Sapphire and Steel, things like that as well. Uh, like Electric Eden, uh, this is uh, just a very, very. I, weirdly, I, I thought he must be the same age as me because so many of the influence are the same. But actually, he's older, except I probably look older. Um, and uh, another one that I think has been recommended by someone this, but I absolutely. Absolutely loved it. Listen by Catherine Mannix. Who um, this is about how we listen to people who are feeling bereft, people who are grieving, people who have a sense of, of 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 loss, of melancholy, of all of these. And it starts off with just a very very powerful story of when she was a young doctor and she had to tell uh, someone that their husband had died, and that person punched him in the face. And she tells that story, um, and. Uh, She's just a really humane person. So Catherine Mannix's Listen is another. I'm never going to get through all the books of the year. I haven't even got through the first half of the pile. This is a disaster. Anyway, so here's Joanna Neary. Hi, Jo.
7: Hello, Robin. I was just unmuting myself like a professional. Now, because I'm in Cornwall, I don't have any books with me that I've read this year. So I've just done a drawing. So the book I recommend this year, my favourite book, was Nobody's Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. And as you can see, the cover has got pink clouds on it. So look out for that in Waterstones.
0: Now, what is it, yeah. that book?
7: Well, it's um, based on a true story in her life, I think, and uh, it's beautiful prose. And I would really recommend reading her memoir Priest Daddy before reading Nobody's Talking About This, because I think it really helps to know um, the characters that are in the book. I mean, basically, it's um, a story with her husband in it, and her parents in it, and her sister. And I don't know how much of it is based on a real story, on a real true life event. But at the end of the book, she dedicates um, the book and suggests that people can donate money to charities to help with the cause that the novel deals with. So, although it's a novel, it seems because I've read her memoir, it feels like maybe she's writing about real people. So, I really recommend reading Priest Daddy and then reading this book. Nobody's talking about this. And then the other book I love this year, which has got something in common, is Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky. And I was always put put off reading that before because Notes from Underground makes it sound to me like it's student notes about another book. I know it sounds really silly to be put off by something as simple as the word notes, but um, it's incredible. It's almost about an incel. It's almost about one of those um, men that do the, uh, what's that thing where you grab women in the street without their permission? What's that called? Brattishness? no called Whoa, something in it pickup artists
0: oh, oh right okay pick,
7: yeah pickup artists kind of grabbing what they want and uh and incels the involuntary celibate. so it's this man who's um who's a who's a real heel and really broken and damaged and uh and he sees a man um insults him and so he spends what seems like a year planning how he can bump into the man to show him that he's his equal And it's just incredible. It's desperate and powerful. And he just spirals down and you don't want him to spiral, even though he's objectionable, you want him to be all right. And he nearly finds love. And it's devastating. And what these two books had in common for me was um, what your previous guest was talking about. And I'm afraid I didn't catch his name. Richard or Adam? with Anil, sorry, I didn't catch the name because of my technology. But they've both got bits of like he said bits that are so beautiful you want to write them down and, and reread them over and over again so they're my two favorite books of this year
0: um and I, i'm currently reading notes from the underground i might be wrong about this but i think magazines excellent song songs from under the floorboards i oh. think is, is partly inspired by uh notes from underground but i might be wrong and what are you reading at the moment because i think it's a book that's one of my favorite books if you're still reading the book oh is
7: it yes i'm reading the life of montaigne you just say it like that montaigne yeah. you see you're, you're getting book reviews here from somebody who famously wrote a book review at school, which went, um, book, jungle book, author unknown, not as good as the film, D. So just bear with. So this is um How to Live, Life of Maintain um, by Sarah Bacon, and it's just fantastic. I got it from uh, Oxfam for £2.50, but you might have to look online. And it's got a lovely review inside it, which was nice. Came with a review from Guardian in 2011, which is always handy, isn't it? And they very rightly say that it makes you want to read his essays which is useful. So I'm wanting to read the essays next. But this is superb. It's really, really accessible, but also brilliantly written, beautifully written. And it leads you down lots of lovely new avenues to explore of other writers and philosophers and thinkers. And uh, it's just profound. And I'm so excited about having found it. So that's what I'm reading next. And because I'm at my dad's house, my parents' house, I've been given a few books. So after reading Montaigne, I'm going to be reading this mathematician's mathematics book from the birth of numbers um, by uh, Jan Goldberg. And then I'm going to be reading The Haunting of of Toby Jug um, by Dennis Wheatley
0: oh let's we'll hope it's them. not one of those ones that gets racist straight away I'm sure we did that at the book <laughs> club once where I started reading one well we'll stop there we'll stop there um that is uh, am I allowed to mention where you are by the way you're you're yeah, your, cool. your not your yeah, street name lovely Red, Red Ruth i was just going to mention yeah. in because in, Red Ruth was uh there's a great secondhand bookshop there in the arcade which if you are into Colin Wilson books quite often he has, he has a lot of interesting comics and stuff there's some great charity shops there but I thought it's my chance just to name check the kind of the, the Cornish leg of my tour which was Liscard Books which was just a be- beautifully run bookshop really loved going to Liscard Hurley Books in uh, Mephigisi uh, and they gave me an excellent uh, recommendation as well on a sandwich shop which was run by a woman who used to run the fairgrounds but then got bored of travelling around all the time but she still went back to the fairgrounds she made a lovely sandwich for me there and uh, also mention uh, Beowulf Books in Falmouth which is such a beautiful thing Dom and Alice who, who, who run it. it has it's it's a it's a bookshop and it's also a pub it's, it's the best of so yeah. many different worlds and um, I always find wonderful books there in fact i got some Ursula K. Le Guin there i mentioned her before and i got got some more of that stuff there and also uh at the edge of the world books of the bookshop at the edge of the world in penzance as well where i did the beautiful acorn art center with them um so thank you for i was just going to mention all the excellent um Cornish <laughs> bookshops and my friend in, Kate, who put me up in red Ruth as well
7: i was in bear yesterday bear wolf yesterday and uh, they got a lovely book in there about the life of maurice sendak and it's usually $30, and in there it's six ninety nine. so I might be going back for that. I think I you should. Few, have, you, have you ever heard of this? This is on the shelf. This is in my dad's get-rid-of pile, Liam Flattery. I know you're not a novel man, but oh, I've not got ever. the world. Are you? World yeah. Behind William, Richmond Crompton. I thought that was a man for all, all my youth. I was very delighted to find out that the William author is a woman, Richmond. and read about fantastic. her life. Yeah, nice. Also, also I've got the Philip letters. you um, been to
0: the sure. Falmouth? Um, have you been to the Maritime Museum?
7: Not yet, no, but I must oh, go there. A really good saying. exhibition
0: of mermaids. And monks as well. I didn't know there was also a form of mermaid, which is basically a monk, half fish, half monk. It's a really lovely exhibition of uh, realities of the strangeness of the undersea world and also <laughs> the fictions that human beings have made for them. Joanna Neary, it's always a delight to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having
7: me. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye.
0: Go to that shortbread Ruth. Get me the gallery. <laughs> I think I need it after all. Um, Thank you, uh, everyone who's watching, by the way. We've still got more to come. Chris Hadfield coming up very, very soon. Also, uh, Portobello Bookshop in uh, Edinburgh. Uh, We're going to be hearing from them. Uh, A few more books. I mentioned Philip Ball uh, before. Uh, Philip Ball's The Modern Myth, which is kind of a little bit of a different thing from a really fantastic book about uh, the more modern-based myths, including things like Dracula and Jacqueline Hyde and Frankenstein, and then some of the work of people like Alan Moore in terms of what he does with those characters in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So that is, is a very... And and I think not enough people, Philip Ball is such an incredible writer. Um, Louis Barth, Sunshine and Laughter, this biography of Morkham Wise. Brilliantly deals so much with the build-up to their fame and their career in the kind of the halls and in the v- variety and all that stuff. So I really recommend Louis Barth's uh, book there, uh Sunshine Laughter. And this uh another, this in fact, I I, I met up with Francesca when I was again more name checks and bookshops. Sorry, I, I keep forgetting to mention all the extra bookshop, uh, Oxfam bookshop, um, where I did a gig there, and Francesca Stavrocapulu came along. And we're probably gonna do a gig there together at some point, actually. It's a really great uh, Oxfam, by the way, that one in Extra. And during the day, I think I did uh, a with a, a Sidmouth bookshop. Oh man, I have forgotten the name of the Sidmouth bookshop. Anyway, great. Um Francesco God and Anatomy is uh just there's so much you don't get in the Bible when we were growing up in the Hamlin picture version. In the Bible, the battle is fought between Yahweh and the aqueous chaos monster. Chaos monster, sorry. Yahweh and the aqueous chaos monster. So there, there's no aqueous chaos monster in my Hamlin uh children's Bible. So that is it's, it's a really interesting book there about the physical nature of god so that's another of the books of the year i'm then going to try and deal with a few more piles of oh, this by the way the aqueous chaos monster is not in the world of the unknown uh monsters uh but Osborne, as you you may well know have brought back these books like ufos and ghosts and stuff and monsters which i actually there we go wrote uh the introduction uh for the forward or whatever it is but it, it was it's a joy to have these books back again as well but now we are going to hear who are we going to hear from actually first of all let's think Let's go to uh, Portobello Bookshop. I hope you know Portobello Bookshop. Uh, and uh, and then also we're going to hear from the wonderful Black Wolves Bookshop in Oxford, which is such an incredible bookshop because it's such a small frontage. And then you go inside. And again, it's one of those kind of Borges things of just the, the strangeness of just how enormous it seems to be. But anyway, here are two of the bookshops that I visited. First of all, Portobello Bookshop.
8: Hi, I'm Molly from the Portobello Bookshop, and my favourite book of 2021 is Small Bodies of Water by Nina Minya-Powles. This is a collection of essays that redefines nature writing and spans so many different topics, um, from wild swimming to mitski, um, and it's one that I'm going to return to many times over when I need comfort. So yeah.
3: Hi, I'm Ewan from the Portobello Bookshop in Edinburgh, and my book of the year is This One Sky Day by Leonie Ross. The fictional archipelago of Poppy Show and the magical inhabitants who live there bring vibrant life to
5: every single page and I got to speak to Leone for an online book group event we hosted back in May and I have been thinking about this book all year. The themes throughout the book are very prescient to the world that we live in, um, but most of all
9: throughout the book there is heart and I heartily recommend it to everyone.
8: Hi, my name's
9: James. I work here at Blackwells in Oxford. These are my three book choices for 2021. First up, Nina Simone's Gone by Warren Ellis. This is a brilliant story. It's a, a memoir all based around the time that Warren watched Nina Simone perform at Nick Cave's Meltdown Festival in 1999. Um, after the show, he walked onto the stage, took the piece of gum that Nina had been chewing, wrapped it in a piece of towel and kept it in a towel records bag for years and years and years only bringing it out to um, loan to Nick for his Stranger Than Kindness exhibition and this is all based around what that piece of gum means to him. We then have Being a Human by Charles Foster. This is fantastic, it's about um, Charles living through three different eras from Upper Paleolithic, the Neolithic to the Enlightenment and how it felt to live through that period, from eating roadkill, fasting for days on end as a hunter-gatherer, using indigenous wisdom to survive in the wild. Uh, He takes his 13-year-old son Tom along with him. It's such a fascinating story. Finally, we have Wonderworks. This is Angus Fletcher's um, look at the development of literature and how it's helped us in our modern life through the years, from ancient Chinese texts to modern fiction. Um, He looks at what an important device literature is.
0: I'll quickly mention some of, the, some of the recommendations you've been sending in as well. Uh, Nigel, Steve Ailett's Hyper Thick. Steve Ailett, who you might know from Lint, uh, from his excellent book Heart of the Original, hugely recommend that in terms of ideas of creativity, has done a new, uh, one of his comic books, which is this incredible mix of kind of old, out of com- copyright, um, quite banal comic strips, and then he has repopulated the, the caption balloons and they are just absolutely fantastic. Uh, so Steve Ailert's Hyper Thick, which is to issue two and I presume issue three is imminent Uh, uh, Emma recommends Black Teeth and A Brilliant Smile by Adele Stripe Uh, Matty and Jamie Jerusalem by Alan Moore which you probably actually began when Jerusalem first came out because it is enormous it wouldn't surprise me if it took you all the way to 2021 to finish Um, Andy recommends Pandora's Jar which you could Natalie Haynes which again I would highly recommend Helga Land uh, uh, highly recommended as well and Rebecca Ragsites' is Kindred Um, uh, then uh, Come Fly the World uh, The Women of Pandora am at war and peace by julia cook uh, shuggy bane by douglas stewart uh very excited by the new douglas stewart and I, I and i know that he apparently does want to come on book shambles again so i'm pleased about that and that old country music by kevin barry who was also on uh, a book shambles earlier this year um lots of people um saying that they in quite enjoyed the book by uh uh local radio idiot i mean local radio as in it's just broadcast in the uk but because, uh, robin Ince is the importance of being interested thank you it's very kind i don't know who said that but whoever did thank you for liking my book um it was one of the loveliest things to get carla Ravelli to actually read my book and then give me a quote Was you know there's certain things we go that was that was that was really lovely. Uh, Louise would recommend Panenka uh, by Ronan Hessian. Uh, lots more people also say Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. So good. Emma, I Am Legend. I'm so glad you listened to, uh, you. you um, sorry, uh, read I Am Legend. Uh, Sarah recommends, again, Listen by Catherine Mannix, so, as I've mentioned before, absolutely fantastic. And then uh, also, uh, I'm not sure if it's the same Sarah or another Sarah, recommends Dead Souls by Ian Rankin. I'm always happy to recommend Ian Rankin as well. Um, now, as I said, Chris Hadford, coming up very very soon uh, and uh, if you can support us via Patreon you don't support us via Patreon yet, that is absolutely amazing it really really helps us because I think we're about to see but I've really seen certain, some of some tour that I was meant to be doing in February isn't happening anymore, it's nice now to have this kind of tradition of crossing out uh, hoped for dates in the diary over and over again, but now joined by the, uh, he's so many different things because he is an author he's an incredible enthusiast, he's a historian uh, I, I mean the, the archivist, most incredible archive work um and uh, we did a couple of volumes of horror short stories or uncanny short stories called dead funny and here's johnny Maines. hello johnny hello johnny hello good you've done some with your facial hair again you've got christmas facial hair yeah wing commander Maines is back now can i check you've got plague There's behind you uh, do you prefer plague of zombies to the reptile
3: i, I don't like the reptile it's uh, one of Mark Morris's uh, horror author uh, Mark Morris's favourite film. I never got on with it. Uh, I've got uh, I've got the poster for it, but I don't. I've not stuck it up. I just uh, I love Jacqueline Pierce, but nah. No, fair enough.
5: I'm, I'm
0: pretty much in agreement. With well, I, I'm I'm not that keen on the Gorgon either, but we're, I'm sure we can debate that another time. But, um, are your uh, so w- this year? What I've been. I mean, it's been an amazing thing to Lucy McKnight Hardy, who you. Uh, Recommend well, in fact, I'd read her first book and then you get, but that is an incredible anthology, isn't it? It
3: is it, for a debut collection up there with her uh, debut novel, What Shall Refuse Them. Uh, this Dead Relatives is my book of the year. It starts off with uh, the novella, uh, Dead Relatives, but we last year, who lives in a house with uh, Clippity P and Cook, and it's like a kind of house that brings women in and then the story kind of, she has a tree that she visits and it's just one of the most, I, I read the uh, the novella when Lucy had first written it. And I was very, very privileged, like kind of be a beta reader and like kind of give, um, give like thoughts and bits and bobs. And I remember finishing it and typing because of my ADHD, I just, I just went straight onto Facebook and went, I've just read the best novella ever, wait until next year. And yeah, but not that. Uh, there's a, a short story in here called Resting Bitch Face, which was in black static, that's in there. Uh, the Devil of, oh, what's it called? Tim and Fire, it's just wretched badger face. This is the book. If you want to go out and buy a book that will just do everything, A lot of people say that she's like Shirley Jackson and has Shazer Robert Inkman. She's not because she's her, sorry, she's her own beast. You know, she has her own style. She has a way of writing, which is just incredible. I love her. I just can't get enough of her stuff. Roll her for the next stuff. And uh, yeah, I I saw her do a a reading in Manchester uh, a few months ago and she just grabbed everybody in that room and they were, you know, just kind of, uh, she read from uh, the, the first novella, Their Relatives, and she just grabbed everybody and didn't let go. She's uh, she's one set for really, really, really big things. I think, uh, you know, there's a few authors at the moment um, that, you know, that are going to pave the way for the next 10, 15 years in, uh, in uh, British genre writing, and she's definitely up there with one of them. Uh, of course, we've got. Uh, ah, I will say, War refused me. If you've not read that yet, you should uh, really read and it. because you've
0: mentioned it, allows me to then uh, quickly mention some other books that like bookshops. So I'm going to say thank you to because I met her when I did an event at the Ledbury Bookshop. So, yeah. uh, so Ledbury Bookshop, Mulvin Books, which Mulvin Books, which is cooperative absolutely fantastic. It had most bookshops when you go to them, and I'm sure you've done events where you go to a bookshop. And if you ever go, can I just go and use your loo? They go, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, you can, but it's in a terrible state, right? Because it's always still part of the store or yeah. whatever. The Mulvin Bookshop is the only one which was not only spacious, but also had a toboggan in it, suggesting that it was for anyone who died on the toilet and wanted to think of Citizen Kane as they went. Yeah. So Malvern Bookshop was fantastic. Um, Penguin Books as well in, in Truesbury. Uh, thank you very much. Deb. West, oh man, I've not mentioned it yet. So I'm just going to quickly grab this because uh, some of the lovely bookshops gave me presents, which was an absolute treat. Uh, Westwood Books in Sedborough, um, which is a, a, a real go. Go to Westwood Books. Uh, it, you would love it. It's just they gave me this. It's, a, it's Shelley's works from the 1860s and 1860s edition, lovely. Um, which is nice to have. And I, I've got another quite old Shelley one, a bit older than that. But the reason they gave it to me is because this was given to George Darwin, Charles Darwin's son, wow. for his first year. So they know that I'm a huge <laughs> Charles Darwin son fan. So they thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice if he had a uh, something that had a kind of Darwin link? So anyway, that you would just give me an alibi to mention. I also haven't mentioned Forum Books in Corbridge, and they also have a new book in uh, Annick Bookshop in Annick as well. And they are uh, Forum Books. Go and look, and, and they've got a, there's there's a little one they've got in, in Newcastle as well, and uh, and Whitley Bay as well. So they, I'm really sorry by the way, all the bookshops that I don't mention because every single one was just such a, it was a fantastic experience. I think the day that I saw you, where'd I been? I'd been to Ivy Bridge. Yeah. Top Totnes, the beautiful Top bookshop in, in, in Top Totnes, playing the, the uh, cinema day before I've been to uh, Oakhampton, so many brilliant bookshops. What were you going to recommend next?
3: Right, uh, the next one is uh, the biography of Anton Warbrook by <laughs> James Downs. So, James Downs. So, Anton Warbrook, Gaslight, uh, Life and Death of Coal, No Blimp, uh, yeah, Red Shoes. This is amazing. Yeah, you, you, when you think about unto Wallbrook, you know you have to like compartmentalize his uh, German films and his, uh, you know, his, his English speaking films. Then you realise you don't know anything about him. And then uh, what James did, he spent ten years, uh, re- you know, researching this, and goes into about how uh, Walbrook, you know, might have had, uh, you know, a Jewish, uh, you know, uh, kind of. Uh, and that's why maybe he had to leave Germany and didn't come back. Also, uh, Homosexuality. And it is just one of those books that it, it deserves to be known. It's quite an expensive one. It's done by Peter Lang. So it's like about 70 quid. I was gifted this copy. But if you can get it, maybe get it through your library. It's definitely, definitely one of them. And then my last one is... Uh, the psychoanalysis of artificial intelligence. But you would go, but Johnny, you don't have two beans in your brain to rub together. This is about AI and AI and pleasure and sex bots. But then it also uh, introduced me to the works of psychoanalyst Jacques Kahn. no Jacques Lacan, sorry, and then Emmanuel Kant, who I'd never even heard of before. So uh, this is by Isabel Miller. She is really up there. Uh, yeah, and she, she, yeah, this was a really, really cr- critical book. I, you know, I don't really read these kind of things, but uh, I loved it. And everybody, if you can go out and get that as well, this will just blow your. But it blew my mind. I'm still recovering like eight months afterwards.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to reading that. That That is, uh, I've been following her work. and. Uh, and- I'm reading that. Jamie wants oh it's always worth reading about Mel Brooks what a remark I, I still find it amazing when he was on the one show and the presenters obviously imagined that because he was 95 they'd have to be he, he didn't quite understand what was going on and that, and they did that bit where they, they started to fill in too quick give a little bit of a gap it's okay to have a little bit of gap but within two minutes he was running circles round him Funny, thanks very much. much for joining us we should just mention we're doing a uh, or hoping to do a, a third volume of Dead Funny if you've not yeah, read Dead have. Funny or Dead Funny Encore where we've got stories by an enormous number of people in fact is he? he was on earlier we've got izzy in there we've got josie long in there we've got alice Lowe in there we've got uh, okay. charlie higson in there there's uh, a really great story by reese shearsmith but we want to do a third volume and that's uh currently we're just trying to, to where's the best place for people to go if they are unbound.
3: just go to unbound uh, and then type in the third dead funny book of horror stories you can pledge there uh, you you could even have you you could even have your name used by robin in a short story and he will kill you off in it johnny thank you so much <laughs> have a very happy new
0: year i'll see thanks, you thanks in 2022 you. uh always yeah. of- Follow Johnny's stuff, see what he's up to. He, as I said, the incredible anthologies, some really interesting anthologies of kind of um, forgotten female writers who wrote of, of the ghosts and uncanny ideas and stuff. Go and look up Johnny's work. Uh, it's really, really, there, there, look, there's one of the books I was actually given. I think I was given this when I was in Taunton at the Taunton bookshop. There, the third ghost book by Lady Cynthia Asquith.
8: <laughs> um,
0: and uh, so in a minute, we're gonna be joining, uh, uh, I'm going to Chris Hadfield, give it, that, that by the way is a really uh, great book. Chris it's Hadfield's The Apollo Murders, because I don't normally uh, read um, books of um, kind of thriller, like nor- what, when I say normal thrillers, you know, th- thr- and this having not really read a thriller for about four years very very thrilling and it turns out people I know who spend a lot of time reading thrillers go rather annoyingly Chris Hadfield not only is an astronaut and sang in space and is uh, an incredible inspirational figure and one of the greatest people in terms of explaining what it is to be a human being going into space and the importance of it he also is very good at writing thrillers as well so we're going to hear from him in a minute this by the way is my favorite title of a book that I bought this was when I was up uh in Barnard Castle where I picked up Dead Men Don't Ski So there we go. There's a bit of advice. They're dead men. They do not ski. Um, Now, I think we're going to go to Luke. Oh, no, we're not. In fact, well, there we go. We're going to go to uh, Chris Hadfield. So here are Chris Hadfield's recommendations of uh, books of 2021.
8: Hi, Robin, and uh, all my very best of Christmas time to you. My favourite books. Uh, I've got a whole bunch on the shelves over here. But when I was a kid, I read uh, Jules Verne's uh, *Mysterious Island*, and that really inspired me as to the strength of human spirit and what we can accomplish. Um, so I really recommend *Mysterious Island*, especially the first, you know, eighty percent of it. Um, and then when I was a little later, a little older, I read *Carrying the Fire*. Uh, this book here by Mike Collins, and I think it's one of the great space flight books. Uh, talking about uh, the reality of what it's would like to be an Apollo astronaut, but also, <laughs> that's my puppy, but also, um, uh, Henry, come here, just say hi for a sec, so everybody knows that you're right there by the microphone, there we go, There, yes, you're a good boy, yeah, you're helping me out, boy. get okay, back, there you go, lie down, um, and uh, so this was an excellent, um, thoughtful, insightful book that really helped me prepare for a life of of um, being an explorer and a test pilot and an astronaut, and what comes afterwards. Um, And then recently I read a book uh, called uh, Factfulness by Hans Rosler that's really helpful in understanding what's going on in the world, you know, the reality of it, and not just everybody's screaming misperceptions, but the actual world itself. But, you know, there's a million books a year published, um, and uh, I think the important thing is to read. I'm a member of the Canadian Children's Literacy Foundation. I'm on the board of that. I work hard to try and help promote literacy, uh, the exchange of ideas. It's never been more important to be literate, uh, computer literate, digitally literate, uh, and to be able to share in the original thoughts of others. Anyway, have have a fine Christmas time holiday, and um, and I look forward to seeing you soon in the Happy New Year. Take care. And
0: in a minute, we're going to be joined by uh, Luke Wright, who is more often than not the favorite thing people see at the Long Weekend Festival, which is infuriating because I never am, bastards. Anyway, the uh, um, this I'm quickly going to run through books that I love finding. This was also in the Hayes Cinema Bookshop. Stanley Baker, Portrait of an Actor, is really fascinating. Anthony Story, who predominantly was a psychologist and, and wrote books of psychology. This, I think, was his first book. He also was the son of a minor. He'd had a similar background to Stanley Baker. It was going to be a kind of biography or maybe even ghost written autobiography I'm not sure it's Stanley Baker but he started to meet him just as Stanley Baker got ill with cancer so it's about the eight meetings he had as Stanley Baker became more and more ill and it's a really interesting book there I'm gonna this by the way what a treat uh Peter who I did gigs with up in the northeast uh gave me a biography of Will Hay I love having things like that uh so that's a treat the second most expensive uh book that I bought in Oxfam was here we go is it the Oxfam are they watching Bath Oxfam Bookshop, an index of possibilities which is kind of the British version of the whole earth catalogue uh, it was 35 quid uh, this is what I always do in Oxfam I go yeah but I'm not really buying a book 35 pounds am I it's really a charitable donation that's what I pretend and uh, one of the reasons that, oh I've used a the bookmark there by the way is a picture of David Farrah, um there uh, actually signed by him who you may remember from such films as Black Narcissus uh, I bought it this book because it has a great cartoon of Kurt Vonnegut uh, so that was one of the reasons and also it's just interesting it's one of those books where I imagine I'll turn into also a Ron Cobb cartoon and I'm a big fan of uh, of the work of, uh, of Ron Cobb. And uh, this was here, though, was the most expensive book. And yes, it was you, Extra Oxfam Bookshop. And I think you only agreed to do the gig because you knew even if no one bought copies of my book afterwards, you knew I'd spend far too much. So £60 on a book about UFOs that I'm probably never going to read glimpses (laughs) of other realities there it is I like the cover it's got an introduction by Colin Wilson and it's called High Strangeness all I need to do is come up with three minutes that involves that in a show and then I can do the mathematics and work out if I do a certain number of shows at a certain amount of kind of a certain height of fee it will have paid for itself I've got to mention uh, this by the way uh, Dave McKean it was his birthday yesterday today Dave McKean a uh, great artist who you know as well as his own work you may well know a lot of the, the fantastic work he's done with Neil Gaiman and uh, amongst others uh, Dave McKean's raptor is a very very beautiful and uncanny and beguiling book uh, I think that's just come out now, and uh, and I met there's loads to have it. Simon Garfield uh, they brought out his End of Innocence again. Think of It's a Sin being on uh, television this year, which was uh, a remarkable piece of 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 television. There, that's just basically about you know the beginning of the understanding of AIDS and what went on during that horrible horrible time where so many you know Clause 28 and other ugly homophobic things that happened there. Uh, Park by the River, Barney Farmer. Coketown, drunken baker um and also his incredible work for viz this is his uh new novel uh part by the river and very much he kind of creates something of a, of a monologue of a character with i would say an air of mark e smith about him so uh that i highly recommend and now oh the gallows poll by benjamin myers just started reading that that was given to me by the bookshop when i was in uh halifax and just really really fantastically written the final thing now we are joined by luke wright the poet luke wright uh also knows uh, our uh, our good friend uh jeff towns he's done many gigs for jeff towns under the sadly no more uh mobile library bookshop this book man luke through darkest pondaleo which which because jeff always knows how to snare me and this is a book which is a parody of the kind of colonial explorer written by joan Lindsay, who went on to become very famous for writing picnic at hanging rock by the way the bookmark in this book is james mason um and this just gives you some idea uh of the kind of book it is april the first the shingles Little Waghornet. Owing to Papa's half-sister Teresa for over 20 years, considering herself either a teapot or a watering can, I forget which, at all events something useful with a spout, we have never known the old lady very intimately. Pointed out to F after a decent interval this morning, it is no use crowing over spilt milk as her death through a shock is no doubt a blessing in wolf's clothing. I mean, being a teapot in a Shropshire in a nursing home must have been very tedious at times with the best will in the world, though not, of course, referring to her legacy as a teapot. Anyway, it's that kind of book. Joan Lindsay went on to write Pitca Hang Rock through Darkest Pondaleo, has very surreal photographic images as well. Um, so, Luke Wright, what's the best book you've picked up from Jeff Towns? I bet you've found some interesting books of poetry I, or strange. I, ha-
10: I have a good Jeff Towns stuff. He's always got a little gift for me. Um, and he knows I like Betjeman so often it's Betjeman related so I've, I've gone there and actually the thing I treasure most isn't a book you're going to hate me for saying this but it is a, a picture of Betjeman that has been used um, by like uh, the marketing department of, of a publishing company many, many years ago and it's a picture of his head and it's been ti- it's, it's been exed round before we had Photoshop and we could cut people's pictures out it's been a tippexed picture of Betjeman obviously for the inside sleeve of a book uh, and I have that framed in my house.
0: So oh, a, I think it's a great thing cool. to have. In fact, at the Oxfam Exo Oxfam Bookshop, had I even madder, maybe if you'd been with me, they mm. had some weird box set of Metro Metro Land. You know, Betjeman's Metro, mm. And I don't quite yeah. know what it was, but that is was Metro 300 quid. Isn't long,
10: is it? I mean, you know, it doesn't really warrant a box set. I mean, it's quite a short, you know, it's a 40-minute film, isn't it, half an hour film or something. So I don't know what it is. A partner uh, got me... Um, Christmas, the sort of book that Jeff Towns often gives me and it's a book about Betjeman called, uh, it's called Betjeman Country and it's something approaching a coffee table book, it's not quite a coffee table book but it has that kind of vibe about it, lots of pictures, glossy pages and it is the story of Betjeman through his places so you've got Highgate and Cornwall and other parts of London and stuff like that. It's very nice, I've been sitting in my big pink chair, I've got a wing-back chair and I've been reading about Betjeman and listening to I hope it. you
0: only read about that. I, th- I think it, it's <laughs> yeah. only Betjeman. You you listen to Banana Blush sat in that <laughs> yeah, chair. Yeah. And that's all
10: I do, yes. So when we're talking to Stuart Lee once, we, 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 no, I saw sort Simon Munnery once about Stuart Lee, and Stuart Lee was doing that thing where he's conducting the audience and commenting over who's laughing and who's not laughing. And I said to Simon, oh, I love it when he does that. And he went, nah. I went, no, it's good. He said, no, it'd be good if that's all he did and in a way that is all Stuart does these days but yeah so just so just Betjeman uh, reading actually been reading uh, Rings of Saturn which amazingly I've never read despite the fact that I live in Rings of Saturn land and it's it's just the best thing I've ever read I, I adore it um I, so I'm going to read it all over again the moment I finished it I, I love it that much it's so rich there's so much stuff there
0: that's weird I just started reading started it again. reading it again as well Really, Because yeah, so, it is. It, it, and, and it's like, especially if you ever, I started reading it because I was traveling so much. And I thought sometimes when you read someone who is so evocative in the way that they interpret the landscape they're in,
8: yes. with
0: luck, it means that it slightly tints or, you know, reopens your eyes in certain landscapes. Because you see if you're reading enough of those, like reading Ian Sinclair and things like that, you go, oh, right. Today's vision is enhanced by yeah. beautiful writers.
10: Well, my mate said my my mate, mate said another East Anglian boy is a Thatcher actually lives 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 around these parts, and he said that he first read that book when he was in Australia, miles and miles away from home. And actually, that's a nice way of I mean, I'm i been reading it as I as I am in rainy, Decembery Suffolk. But um, yeah, he read it when he was uh, holed up in a in a hostel somewhere in Sydney, and so it was a, a great way of uh, reimagining you know, getting back into Suffolk. Yeah. Now,
0: what if, weirdly enough, I remember being in Brisbane and it's two in the morning and I turned on telly and it was an episode of Midsummer Murders, which was brought up, uh, which was in the village I was brought up in. They,
10: they've they got, well, they've got no culture clash there. So I mean, that was the thing I noticed about gigging in Australia. You don't have to, you don't have to explain who uh, Phil and Kirsty are. They know all of it. They know all yeah. of it.
0: <laughs> Shit TV, it's fantastic. But that's one of the things i talk. about. That strange thing that sometimes you can also find uh, in in places you don't expect, like, I don't know if you heard Adam Buxton interviewing Laurie Anderson, but one of my favourite things is that they, they mainly talked about kind of folding bikes and things like that. But then it turned out that Laurie Anderson was a big fan of the grumpy Cornish Doctor series, Doc Martin. And somehow you can't believe that Laurie Anderson the creating so many intriguing avant-garde pop things that she goes I just want to relax down watch a bit of Martin Clunes I've been watching nothing but Endeavour the, the Christmas uh, the, period
10: which which if you've not watched Endeavour this is the this is the the the, Morse, the early years uh, uh it's f- fucking great I love it and it's it's if if for no other reason you just get to sink back into the mid nineteen sixties, and not the cool, fashionable mid nineteen sixties of, of pop culture, but the mid nineteen sixties where the sixties only happened to six people, and they all lived in London. You know, this this is the real sixties of, yeah, uh, it's fantastic. It's got Roger Allen in it, who plays uh, Morse's sort of uh, mentor.
0: I always um, think Roger Allen in his voice yeah. has a little bit of Michael Gambon about him. Yeah, about him yeah, yeah, yeah. Gambon. The, yeah. Uh, and
10: he's not playing posh Roger Allen. He's playing sort of, you know. Don't you come a crop with me, son? Kind of Roger Allen. It's beautiful. I love it. It's just have you seen the one with the tiger. Yeah, I just watched that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. an
0: interesting one, isn't
10: it? That's so good, you're yeah. going on tour, aren't you? And, well, I hope I'm on tour, Robin. Uh, I hope. I think you might have done your tour at the right time. You know, who knows? <laughs> but hopefully, yes. I mean, I, I, it does. It's he's looking hopeful. Um, and we set off in uh, late January, and it's about thirty dates through to through to May, mostly in sort of March, April sort of time. And I'm hopefully I'm going. Pretty much everywhere, you know. You know that thing where you post your tour dates online, and all the response you get is like, "What? Aren't you coming and such and such?" And that was always the town you're in like three weeks
0: before, and <laughs> no. Yeah, view. yeah, yeah. Oh, I see you never play Middlesbrough. I did oh, on yeah. Tuesday. Oh, the. Oh, uh... Oh, Tell <laughs> me, yeah. Actually, Middlesbrough was one of my most poorly attended gigs some years ago. And then I turned. But when I got to this theatre, which even the cab drivers didn't know where it was, the first thing they said to me was, well, you've sold a lot more than Nicholas Parsons. So that was. And, and then the next day on the tr- on the train platform, three people on a Sunday came up to me. And went, what are you doing in Middlesbrough? I was doing a gig already this is almost yes. bigger than the the people asking what I'm doing in Middlesbrough it's yes. slightly larger than than yesterday's, yesterday yeah, the actual giga- yeah 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 well we've all been there
10: I don't think I've ever done a gig in Middlesbrough so you what you you're, you've got one Stockton yes
0: um oh Stockton's lovely yeah I did, I, what was oh man I forgot the name of the beautiful bookshop in in in, in Stockton they got a really great I did the Ark there and that and that was a lot of yeah, fun and I'll uh Saltburn I'll has a great little Park. bookshop as well
10: I'm going in March I'm going to Ark and I haven't been there for Oh, a number of years, about sort of six, seven years now. It's been awesome. Go
0: to the lovely bookshop there. Um, now, do, do you, you don't have to do a poem, by the way. I'll, because I'll, I'll, I'm, <laughs> that's a, i am mean, been a poem. It's I've always got, one of those things, it's, there's an awkward segue. It's, I, I yeah. remember once, one of my favourite things of seeing Alan Titchmarsh is most Alan Partridge, was when he had Jonathan Morris, the actor who was in Bread, the TV sitcom Bread, and he played a poet in it. And Alan Titchmarsh at the beginning of interview goes, Oh, and have you got a poem for us? And he goes, I, I don't actually do poetry. It's, it's a character I play. And Titchmarsh looks furious, like he goes, Oh, well, someone's not playing the celebrity game, are they? Well, I'm not going to ask you any proper questions. It's absolutely furious. Oh, dear me. It's always
3: look, if
10: You mind putting words poem.
0: together.
9: What's
10: the I'll oh, no, do no.
0: Go for it i'll do a happy poem this
10: is a happy poem it's quite a new one it's a sort of summer poem though so we can all close our eyes and imagine we're in summertime it's called on the first good day of the year and it's a poem about my mum so what can be better standing in your walled garden in sun hat and summer slacks as bees busy themselves at the deaths you hold your arms open and my boys rush to you You're yet to have your second jab, but no, enough's enough. Huge nectar gulps. They almost knock you down. And later, when they shun you for their long lost toys, we joke about their fickleness. Kids. Kids to whom you were a second mother. Wipe their faces. Fill their plastic cups. Kids you tug through dreaded homework tasks. Kids you've scarcely seen for months. At dinner, Dirty and dog-thirsty, they gulp glass after glass of water, chilled from your fridge. No one asks for coke. This water, Gran, this water's just so good.
0: And there you go. That's Thank problem. you so much. Go and see, see Luke. Luke on tour. He really is. It, it, it's you know what he's been doing for the last guys probably almost 20 years now. He was such a 20, young well, thing when all began. years, and, 23 years,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, and such an important thing in terms of you know again like we were, we were talking about Selena before you know and her great mrs death mrs death but you know yeah. all of the different people are going out there and doing wonderful vibrant things with poetry so look up luke wright's uh, website find out where if he's coming to a town near you hopefully and uh, and buy a ticket because then it means when it is postponed you will still bother going because you bought a ticket already yeah. so do that happy new year to you happy you. new year Bye. to you. take care thank you so much everyone for watching and joining us oh i mentioned another one that unfortunately it's a cloudy night tonight but secret world of stargate by Adrian, you probably know on Twitter. Really uh, lovely book in terms of just an accompaniment to looking up at the sky and what you might find there on any given day. So there's uh, that's another recommendation. There's loads we didn't get to. I'll talk about them another time. It doesn't really matter, does it? Um, and uh, we're going to be back with loads more stuff uh in the new year um and we're going to be back with a new series of an uncanny hour and i think though i might be wrong i think we're going to end tonight's show uh with some of the stuff from the linda smith lecture that i did back on the second of november this is the poem that i did uh which is online at the moment as well if you want to find it um all about um well, it was written, really, because uh, I suppose a couple of months into the pandemic, that sense of kind of loss and uh, and when Timber Taylor died. I kind of explained this in some of the intro you're going to see. This is a, only a small smidgen, by the way. It's a much longer intro uh, talking about many other things in the full length Linda Smith uh, lecture, which... By the way, if you do support us via Patreon, you get to see the 17 minute film of this amongst other things as well, as well as getting access to all the uncanny hours that I did with uh, Stuart Lee and Toy Wilcox and and loads of other people as well and all of uh documentary kind of shows that we did as well uh of inspirational science and philosophy uh so if you can support us of our patreon that is absolutely fantastic i hope you have a very happy new year thank you very much everyone for sending in your recommendations uh for books as well thank you very much to our producer trent burton and um i hope that in 2022 when we're all kind of back on tour and doing things again um that we will see you out there as well. Who knows what is going to happen with. Oh, also, I should mention that uh, there are a few people. Obviously, we, we decided to postpone Nine Lessons, the, the second two events of Nine Lessons and Carols, just because of such uncertainty over. It was during a period of time of rapid rise in COVID numbers. So because we were in London, we just decided it was best to postpone it. And so that's going to be happening over the Easter weekend. So the postponed, two postponed shows, Nine Lessons and Carols, of curious people we're going to do a really christmassy show uh, at easter obviously i would very much hope that we can get Stuart lee who you know sometimes does you know really grumpy father christmas i hope we can get him to be a kind of grumpy easter bunny but i can't be sure whether that you know would happen but anyway that's going to be happening as well please do keep supporting cosmic shambles and uh have a very very Happy New Year. And we'll probably do a follow-up to this as a podcast with all the books that we didn't get the chance to mention. Bye-bye. i done stuff. I did a poem a while ago at the end of the Brian Cox, the last tour we did, all about the passing of time. And someone, one person, only one person, was furious with it and hated it and said, you shouldn't do that poem because it reminded them of someone they'd lost. And I didn't, feel, I didn't feel happy that I'd made them upset. But at the same time, I knew that I felt I was still doing the right thing. You know, sometimes it's a battle to kind of do those things. So I mentioned Barry. The final uh, comedian that I'll mention tonight is Sean Locke who uh, obviously died very recently. I worked with Sean a few times, we weren't friends, but I, I, it was an absolute joy to ever work with him. And uh, I wrote on a show with him once, and I just felt like such an idiot because he was so brilliant and I just had nothing to offer, you know? And, uh, and I remember very fondly that uh, with Sean once, we, we did at this terrible gig, I think at the end of the 90s. We went up to Edinburgh in December, to play a temporary building. It was basically a geodesic dome that had been placed on an ice rink. And uh, it was not a great gig. There was a level of jeopardy that ran throughout the gig with an expectation that the geodesic dome was about to fall in on everyone at any moment, right? So no-one could really laugh, partly because the geodesic dome made an enormous amount of noise every time the wind blew, and secondly, because people could see that some of it was falling apart. And afterwards, the promoter said, let's go to the pub, and then the more the promoter drank, the more he went on about how brilliant Margaret Thatcher was. And uh, eventually, the promoter went to the toilet and Sean and me ran away giggling into the street. And then we went to a a restaurant on the Royal Mile at 1.30am, which, looking back, was a mistake because I, yet again, had a terrible attack of diarrhoea the next morning. I shouldn't have eaten the food that was available at 1.30am. And I remember just going, oh, my God, I've got to fly back to London. Oh, my God. And again, I took loads of emojis. I was like, oh, God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Right? And I got on the plane just thinking this is going to be the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. I've never felt more anxious than now. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And I sat down in my seat, just terrified and just sweating. And then I turned round. To see who was next to me, and it turned round. Turned out I was sat next to Anne Widdecombe, and uh, I didn't go again for nine years. So, um, so I wrote this poem about. Uh, thinking about some of those people I initially wrote it when Tim died uh, but this is thinking about many people it doesn't always have to be comedians but about the fact that the older I get the more I don't worry about telling people that I love their work and and trying to be as positive with them as possible Right? and sometimes it's a battle with all of us when we have all those negative thoughts that are also fighting with us sometimes negative thoughts that are towards other people sometimes so much when we're fighting with ourselves but this is where I will end tonight let me celebrate you now as you stand before me while you can still hear the cheer. Don't let me wait until you're gone to be fond. Don't let fear of embarrassment stifle my delight. How that worry of impending shame leads us to talk about love only when there can be no response. Derision is easy to dispense and a brickbat easier to receive, so often an acknowledgement of what our self-loathing knew already. We fumble and blush when praised or when praising waiting to be caught out and rejected. I loved her art. I loved her mind. I loved their work. Past tense. It's hard not to fear the present. Hard to be present. Hard not to bend under a cynic stare. But keep the volume of things unsaid, the regrets of silence, as thin as it can be. Let it take up little space on the shelf in your head. There's no need to be ashamed of joy, the giving or receiving of it. Avoid all that uselessness of that regret. Worry you've been overwhelming with your adoration far more than fear you've crushed with the negative. And of course, all of this I said in my head as you walk by. Thank you. Here's to Linda Smith. so there we are those were our books of 2021 even though i did forget some other books but i'll tell you about those Do you know what i'll do that when i do the books of 2022 but thank you very much to all our guests thank you very much to our producer trent burton and if you can support us via patreon that will be fantastic patreon.com book shambles we'll be back very very soon with loads more editions of book shambles bye-bye this podcast is part of the cosmic shambles network Josie Robbins' book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.